three women in a room still menstruating separately. Hey, this is Touch Vision's It's All True podcast, powered by America's second favorite source for fake news, thewhiskeyjournal.com. I'm your host, Tim Barnes, and you just heard a fake news headline from author and Tribune columnist Amy Dickinson. In each episode, I chat with a great human and then ask them to reveal their own headline for a funny personal true story. This week's guest is Eugene Merman. I guess probably as a in high school, I was like, oh, maybe I'm not just like a weirdo, but maybe I'm funny. But perhaps you know him as the character Gene on the hit animated series Bob's Burgers. Listen, princess, I don't even know what you're talking about, but you can do anything you set your mind to. We talk about his unique path to quote-unquote alternative comedy stardom. I think that when I started, which was basically something like 92 or so, like after high school, I mean throughout college, comedy had been destroyed as a, as a business. And he tells the story of how he met John Benjamin, the voice of Bob on Bob's Burgers. At this point, I was very hungry and pretty, pretty drunk. All of this coming right up, but actually first, let's listen to Eugene Merman on stage. I signed up for ChristianMingle.com. I mean, I have a girlfriend and I'm Jewish, but you never know. Uh, I think I would think ChristianMingle.com was fine as if what it did was help Christians meet each other, but their tagline is, find God's match for you. So unlike atheist dating sites, which match people based on interests and proximity and age, this cuts all that out. And they just have God hide a spouse on their website for you that you can find for $30 or whatever. I don't know if you're allowed to do that. Can you claim that your business is powered by God? Like, can I have a, open a barbershop and be like, get the chosen haircut, and then cut people's hair all weird and be like, sorry, you look like you fell in a pile of angry scissors. It's what God wanted. But I, uh, I did sign up. Uh, I got kicked off right away. Because <laughs> they, they tell you, uh, don't use your real name. Use a screen name. And I was like, okay, Princess Thunderballs. <laughs> Apparently, he's not allowed to find love. That was Eugene Merman in his Comedy Central special, An Evening of Comedy in a Fake Underground Laboratory. Speaking of science, Merman appears regularly on Star Talk, the podcast hosted by astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. His humor seems to stem from the fact that he isn't afraid of being different. Eugene was born in Russia, and he moved to the U.S. when he was very young. I wanted to get a sense of how being an immigrant in America affected his sense of humor. In the third grade, the Russians shot down an airplane, and then I think everyone at school like blamed me. Like they were like, "You shot down an airplane, like a Korean airliner," and I was like, "Oh, but I really didn't." <laughs> and they're like, "No, no, no. I think we're pretty sure you did." <laughs> so there was like a lot of that kind of like people uh, thinking that I was a communist agent, which I wasn't. I mean, I really, really wasn't. In fact, I don't like, I barely like communism. In fact, I would say I think it's terrible. <laughs> Is there a such thing as Russian humor? Yeah, it's probably, it has a, a, a bleak joy to it, a nihilism, but that's like embra embraced. And, and I feel like the Russians I know, half of them are, uh, have this just uh, unyielding bitterness. And then another half are like, that's true, but let's have fun. 
Oh, which half are you? Because I see. I'm, it. I'm a little. Well, I'm a little. I think I'm more like, hey, things are. You know, death is all around us, but there's no reason to not have a sandwich. There's no reason not to party. Not party, but just like there's no reason to not, you know, have a, have a fun time uh, with friends. Have you seen that documentary about uh, bringing Everybody Loves Raymond to Russia? I have heard about it. You should. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I haven't. I haven't watched it. Well, I think it's yeah because it's like some of the things that. Are inherent to the story like you, you can't really do there because it's like emasculating or something Maybe i think I heard so that. they yeah. broadened it quite a bit but yeah. the idea was that the sitcom was kind of a new thing for russia right and they got the producer of everybody loves raymond to go out there to create the russian version of it and he's having all these issues with them trying to make it like at that point the nanny was the biggest the Russian version of The Nanny was, was the, the biggest, biggest yeah. show ever. It's time to meet the head of comedy for the Russian network. We meet him, and he doesn't look like a head of comedy. And he gets around to saying, when I read Raymond... This is not funny. If you wanted to just pitch a show where uh, it's a sitcom and then the main character just breaks the necks of villains who have betrayed <laughs> Mother Russia, people are like, that's a thing we could relate to. How do you feel about the term alt-comedy in 2015? Do you feel like it's even really a, a label at this point? I think that comedy, I mean, it was always sort of heading this, like, is has broadened so much and it's available in so many different platforms that I think when... You know, a lot of the things that are described are as alt comedy, like say, like Zach Galifianakis or something. Like it's, you know, mean like one of the biggest movie stars of comedy. So it's just <laughs> sort of, or like Patton or David Cross. I don't know. Uh, I think it's it gives you a sense of a thing a little, but that's like alternative music. Like Nirvana was alternative music, but it's also like wildly financially successful. <laughs> you know, the blues so was alternative music. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of examples of things that were like started out as a thing and then became hugely popular but but then the label of either alt music or alt comedy or modern music or whatever rock st like sticks as a label um i don't i mean i don't think a lot of people come up to me and go like you're my favorite alt comedian <laughs> uh, which would be fine if they did i think it was a little weird but fine have you had that bizarre moment where you see that you have been an influence on another comic where you can uh, see oh that's like i see people and i see oh that's that's a eugene merman type Oh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think that I've had people come up to me and say that say that more than I see somebody and go like, that's my demeanor. Give it back. <laughs> Is that but, a bizarre so, experience? Though? I feel like uh, I'd I mean, be a little... No, I think everybody, you know, um, I don't know who... I feel like that might be more in a handful of more, more years. There would be somebody who, who like, you know watched me when they were 15 and now i guess they still could have i guess that's probably a thing somebody could be 30 now or 28 and on their way to being a star <laughs> i was in uh manchester england uh walking around it was pretty late it was like midnight or so and i was walking around and this guy came up to me and he's like excuse me are you from around here and i was like no and he was like great <laughs> that's not good news that's not a guy who wants the time or directions and uh, and so I sort of start walking away, and he gets really mad, and he's like, everybody thinks I want money. And I was like, I don't know what you want. <laughs> sort of leaving. And then he gets even more mad, and he goes, I just got off the bus. I'm from Czechoslovakia. And I was like, well, I have some very bad news for you, sir. Your country has been dissolved. I don't know when you got on the bus. But it must have been the 90s. 
I think that when I started, which was basically something like 92 or so, like after high school, I mean, throughout college, comedy had been destroyed as a, as a business. Like, meaning, like, it, a lot of, like, stand-up, which was gigantic in the 80s, like, all of that sort of went away. So I think it, it was just this thing of, like, well, I'm just going to do stuff in all these different spaces, and they were literally just Chinese restaurants. <laughs> um... And then hopefully it'll somehow become a career. So I think that the way that now, like, there's YouTube and Twitter and every, and everything is just, like, decentralized. Um, I mean, one of the first things I did was, like, make a website and put videos on it and, like, have, a pic- <laughs> have like, a picture of me as a kid from Russia singing classic rock songs. And that sort of went around virally, like, to the degree where Pete Townsend from The Who emailed <laughs> me in, like, 2001, I think, and was, like... Uh, um, you owe me royalties, like as a joke oh, from wow. like a Who medley I did. Oh, yeah. Is that and, and a surreal moment? Yeah, when, yes, when the, someone from the Who emails you and thinks your website is funny. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, it's so weird. It's like not, like people would know me from that before, like, t- like I was on TV much. Like nobody would go, like, I'm a fan of the one time you were on television. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Space Talk from Dimension UG. Well, aliens have crash-landed on Earth again. (laughs) They, of course, issued a statement, we mean you no harm. I mean, that's, they don't talk like that. We've heard that before. How'd you start hanging out with Neil deGrasse Tyson? Well, a producer of Star Talk came to a show that I did uh, at Union Hall in uh, Brooklyn. And she asked if, like, they were they were starting this thing, and she asked if I'd be interested in meeting with Neil and maybe co-hosting, and it sounded great. And I was like, sure, I'll, I'll meet with Neil deGrasse Tyson and talk about this. <laughs> and so I went to the Hayden Planetarium and then met with him, and we talked for, uh, like, hours. Like, I thought it would be, like, meet him and be like, yeah, do you want me to do the thing? And then it was like, I think they were sort of figuring out the show because it was the early stages, and, you know, we must have met for two or three hours and then did, like, and then he's like, let's record. And so he had a microphone that records, and we sort of sat and bantered for 20 minutes, and then they started having me come in. And then I suggested we do it live for a festival, and now we sort of do it live. And then him and, and Bill Nye are good friends, and so like he fills in, and now when we travel, it's often me and Bill. Do you find that a lot of important science people recognize your name? Um, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get carried away like that. Um, every, everyone is nice. <laughs> Um, I don't know, uh, you know, half and half. I mean, when I say half and half, I mean like 10% or like, I like the show you do <laughs> or something. But I mean, everybody, I mean, I think it's just like a lot of different, like it's like, uh, it's just sort of different fields. But everybody is really nice. And also it's just kind of amazing to meet people who are like, I make robots and they go into outer space. Or like, uh, you know, I've, you know, just created like new ways for like solar to function or whatever it is. Or like, here's how like disease works. And it's amazing hearing people, like epidemiologists and all sorts of people. I mean, the thing about doing the show with Neil is that I've just had people who are the most knowledgeable about all this different stuff periodically explain it to me. And like, here's how we're going to mine asteroids. (laughs) And the best way is to go to space and then find an asteroid that has a lot of water and just get water from there. Because bringing water up is very expensive. But mining an asteroid is surprisingly reasonable. <laughs> How crazy would it be if you had this epiphany that ch- changed the world of science during one of the live shows? That would be nice. That would be great. Anything I could do that would have a huge impact on humanity, whether it's scientific 
less unlikely or or comedic <laughs> would be great. I would, people would be like, oh, you mean the Eugene Berman that changed science forever? I'd be like, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> sure, that would be great. It's not likely. We'll be right back with more It's All True after the break. And when we return, you'll hear Eugene Merman's funny personal true story. Maybe one of the first times or the first time I met John, he was at the comedy studio and somebody was like, oh, will you host, will you do something? And he pretended to be a local DJ. So buckle up. Let's hear what's new at Touch Vision. I'm Gwen Purdom. And I'm Eric Niewerowski. And we're both good friends of Tim. We're like best friends with Tim. Totally best friends. Now, high school history class taught us about civil wars and economic revolutions, but my weekly series, Throwback Thursday, recaps some of the most important pop cultural events in the last few decades. You know, like the Golden Girls debut or eBay's founding. And my weekly segment this week in weed talks about weed. You know, from legalization movements to ways to enhance your chill. Also, watching the Golden Girls. So check out Throwback Thursdays and This Week in Weed on TouchVisionTV.com. Yes, please do, but but after you listen to Tim. Yeah, do that first. Tim! Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Tim Barnes, and in each episode, I ask a guest to reveal a headline for a funny personal true story. This week's guest is comedian Eugene Merman. He voices the character Gene on Bob's Burgers, the hit Fox animated series created by Lauren Bouchard. Here's Eugene's headline. Man throws food on ground to form friendship. <laughs> John Benjamin, he's a uh, voice of Bob. Father-daughter samurai team played by an actual father and daughter. It's like they based it on us. I've known him for a long time. I met him because he did home movies. You know, I met Lauren, like the whole show was, Lauren just picked each of us to mm. be the characters that we are on Bob's. And so I knew, I met Lauren when I used to live with Brendan Small um, in Somerville. We lived together. And so whenever comics would come to town, like Louis C.K. or uh, Ron Lynch, you know, everybody would come to the Hong Kong, to the comedy studio on the third floor of this Chinese restaurant. <laughs> One of the first times or the first time I met John, he was at the comedy studio and somebody was like, oh, will you host, will you do something? And he pretended to be a local DJ <laughs> who was holding a contest for who the worst comic of the evening was. And uh, I mean, it was, I thought it was very, very funny. It also cruel and he I remember he got $20 from Lauren and was like this is the prize and and it was by applause so at the end of the night he brought everybody on stage and was like by applause who was the worst and then like people clapped the most for like the second worst or third worst like feeling bad for the person who was worst and John was like no it was this person and then gave him the $20 it was amazing um, and uh, and then afterwards Everybody, they all went to a place called Chez Henri, and uh, that was a restaurant that's now closed, but was near where Lauren lived. And so I, I hung out at the Hong Kong for a little while and then eventually went to meet them. And I didn't know John at all. Like I, and John was like, he was like one of the stars of Dr. Katz, which is a show I loved, and it was like a show that featured comedians, and it was very exciting to get to meet John. And I was also, so I got to this very nice French restaurant. Maybe it was fusion, but French-ish. 
uh, and uh, and and I by this point I was very hungry and pretty pretty drunk, and <laughs> and the, it must be around 1999. I think this is about okay. plus or minus 99 plus or minus. The Matrix came out. Um, yeah, so it was like I saw the Matrix. I did this show. <laughs> I got drunk. I went to find John Benjamin and Brendan and and, and Lauren, and. Uh, I was really hungry, and like I think their kitchen had closed or something. I was like, I'm really hungry, and then I took like John Benjamin had like I don't know like two like lamb chops or something like that, and like, and I mean as a joke, I took it from his plate and bit it, and then they were sitting with the chef owner, just like ah, oh, this is shit. Like threw it down as a joke on the ground or something, uh, and then I went and got some French fries, and after that I was like, oh, I should I probably should never go back to that restaurant. That, that's probably not a, I mean, it was fun, but I was probably not appropriate. And then I moved to New York City and then ran into John, who I'd seen in a while. And I was like, oh, last time I saw you, I bit your food and threw it on the ground, and it was, it was fun for me. And he was like, yeah, that, that chef loves you. He thought it was the funniest thing that you did that. And I was like, oh, I thought I shouldn't go back. And he's like, no, he keeps asking how my friend Eugene is doing, and I keep telling him I don't really know you. So, yeah, so that was, and then, you know, and then once I moved to New York, that I would see John around um, a lot, and now, you know, see him a lot, and we hang out together. And, but, but that was, you know, when I first met him. And that's the show. On October 30th, Merman's latest album, I'm Sorry You're Welcome, will be released. It's a nine-volume, seven-LP comedy album that's taken him several years to produce. For more info on Eugene, visit eugenemerman.com. It's All True is a production of Touch Vision, and for more revealing, intimate, people-centered news and entertainment about the world you live in and the life you lead, visit touchvision.com today. If you dig the show, please subscribe to the It's All True podcast in iTunes and leave a review. My Twitter handle is TimBarnes451, and you can follow the show at All True Podcast. This is Tim Barnes signing off saying, I believe in you. <laughs>